What's going on, people? It is at Pecon36 on Twitter. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 56. Got an interesting episode for you guys coming up. I've got a couple contributors these days coming at you for ACCBasketballReport.com. They are handling most of the content. One of them's name is Charlie Manalakis. He has been doing... A primer each week for you guys, picking against Eric Haslam's metrics and, you know, providing great content for the site. You guys seem to really like it. It gets quite a few hits. Um, had him on today for his first appearance. He's been with me for about a month, month and a half now. Been doing a great job for me. Um, you know, good guy. Never been on a podcast. I asked him if he wanted to do it. He was absolutely wanted to do it. So... I'm trying to switch it up a little bit as we get later in the season. Had T on last week. I'm going to have Charlie on this week. And next week, I got something really cool for you guys. I got Eric Haslam from Haslametrics and Sean Dillon, who runs the Rockin' 25 poll out of Rock 101 in Lubbock, Texas, which I'm a part of with some of the other uh, top dependents. I'm, I'm sorry, top independents in the country. Kevin Sweeney, Lucas Harkins. Eric Haslam, um, Connor Hope, Eli Becker, Brad Cavallaro, Adam Glaschick, uh, who else? Uh, Eric Fawcett from down in SEC country. You know, just, just, and, and what we did was <clears throat> we wanted to talk kind of on the record, but we also kind of wanted to let it fly. And unfortunately, we're not allowed to do that because of. FCC regulations with Sean's radio station. So I said, hey, let's record it here. I'll put it out on ACCBR. It's going to come at you guys raw. It's going to be completely unscripted, which is different because typically I write the show before I do it. We're not going to do that next week. We're going to sit down, we're going to have a couple drinks, and we're just going to bullshit about the entire landscape of college basketball. I have absolutely no idea where that conversation is going, but it's going to be a good time. Regardless, talking tonight, what we did was Charlie put up his Week 9 primer just moments before uh, we recorded this podcast, and what we did was we went down through his picks. I gave you know either a, uh, a vote of confidence for his picks or I gave a contrarian opinion. I thought it came out really well. Uh, the funny thing about this episode is Charlie and I have actually never spoken to each other before this episode. It's the first time we've ever talked. Um, when he came to me interested in contributing, we communicated through email. He gave me his phone number and we texted. And since Kinchin has joined us in the past few weeks, we have uh, communicated basically through uh, DMs on Twitter. So this is actually the first time we talked. It, uh, it didn't flow as well as it will. But uh, Charlie's a really smart guy. I think he's going to do great things for us at ACC Basketball Report. He's a guy that I definitely want to keep around. And he is developing his own metrics. He's a fan of Ken Palm. He's a fan of, uh, of Haslam. He's, he's, just, he's the kind of people that I want at ACC BR that they watch the games. They have a quality opinion. They, they know the game. They know what they're looking at. And Charlie's just a really good guy. I think I probably accidentally uh, dominated most of the conversation, which I have a tendency to do. It's, for the most part, the reason that I do this show alone, because I have a lot to say, and I want you guys to hear all of it before I listen to any, any counterpoints. So if you guys notice that, I'll try to work on that for the next time I have him on. We did mention at the end of this podcast that... 
you know, I'm going to have these two guys on. I'm going to have Charlie back and I'm going to have Kinchin on when we see the field for uh, the ACC teams in the big dance. So expect that special and that'll be a good uh, a good conversation that we'll certainly have. Hopefully NC State makes the tournament or else Kinchin might be sad. But um, yeah, so uh, here's my guy, Charlie Monolakis. Don't forget, like, rate, review, share. Uh, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your sisters about the podcast. Put it out on Facebook. Put it out on Twitter, you know, share the podcast, get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, give us a like on accbasketballreport.com, follow my guys for ACC Basketball News. Kinchin is at Kinchin one Andenly, which is K-I-N-C-H-E-N-1-A-N-D-O-N-L-Y. And for Charlie, it is at Charlie Mono 8 which is C-H-A-R. L-I-E-M-A-N-O-8. Those are both, obviously, Twitter handles. You can find us, ACC Basketball Report on Facebook. And if you guys want to write us love letters and tell us how fucking awesome we are, Report at gmail.com. This is episode number 56. I am Michael Hunter. This is episode number 56 with Charlie Monolakis. Charlie, what's up, man? How you doing? Just another night, man. Uh, a nice Monday night to do a podcast. It's a fantastic Monday night for a podcast. <laughs> so what I want to do today, and uh, you know, we're we're rolling right now. Um, what I want to do today is we just published your ACC Week Nine Primer, and I've uh, you know I've picked with you a little bit in the past here and there, and what I want to do is I just want to go down through your picks. Have you uh, have you throw your reasoning out? I'll counter with you, and uh, we'll see where we land. All right, sounds great. So, uh, um, as I said, week nine primer just posted on you guys. So we're recording this on two twenty five. It's about six thirty. Trying to get it in before the Florida State game tonight. With was it Notre Dame? Is that who's playing tonight? Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so uh, real quick, that's the Monday night game for you guys. The write up is on accbasketballreport.com. As always, with Charlie breaking down the games of the week, what are you thinking for Notre Dame traveling to Tallahassee on a Monday night? You know, Florida State, up until this weekend, and honestly still, has been looking like one of the hottest teams after their slow start for probably more than a month now. Mm -hmm. Started one and four, one, what was it, eight in a row? Yeah. Ran Ran into a Carolina team who was able to do some things defensively, took them out of a lot of the interior offense they've been able to get, kind of taking away a lot of what Kevin Gale Kamaji are doing. Uh, for Notre Dame, I'm not so sure they're going to be able to do do some of those same things, going to be able to slow Florida State down on the inside. And, of course, Florida State's all the same, one of the deepest, more talented uh, backcourts you've got to worry about in the ACC, too. Yeah, I think so – uh, you know, when it comes to Florida State, it's, uh, I you know, like, uh, Cabin Gelly is obviously their best player. I think, you know, at this point, everybody's come to that, come to that, that agreement, that consensus. Um, no arguing here. 
you know, every once in a while, uh, MJ Walker will step up or Terrence Mann will step up. Phil Kofer, I don't think, has been the same. Trent Forrest hasn't really been what I expected. I think David Nichols has been a lot better than anybody probably expected he would be coming into this season. And then you got guys like Raekwon Gray, who are you know starting to come out of their come out of their shell a little bit as a redshirt freshman who's dropped a bunch of weight and is a big but has that old man at the YMCA type game. <laughs> and you know it's it's interesting to watch them play, but I, I still think there's a clear separation between them at that probably the four spot and and those top three teams. Haslam, as as noted in your in in your article that went up just a few minutes ago, has this as a thirteen point spread. The fact that it's in Tallahassee and this Notre Dame team is a really young team that doesn't shoot the ball well. Tallahassee's a tough place to play. I I like the Seminoles by thirteen. What are you What are you thinking here? I I do as well. I think I think Kevin is too good on the inside for Notre Dame to take away the floor. What Florida State does, and you lay that on top of if MJ Walker has himself a night, uh, any of those guys. Uh, is at home. I mean, I think all the pieces are there for a huge, huge win for the Noles tonight. I think they roll. What do you think about the John Moody and uh, JMCK matchup? That's a that's a good one. Mooney's he's quietly been one of the most impressive guys. No one's watched or talked about all season in the ACC. It's incredible. Unless you unless you've had a reason to follow Notre Dame. And Which I think uh, you know, uh, Kamaji has has kind of come alive. In the past couple weeks, um, he was maybe a uh, an under the radar factor in Florida State going to Atlanta and blowing out Georgia Tech. He had a double double that game. He played incredibly well. Thoroughly outplayed James Banks, who was kind of kind of slipping down the stretch for the Yellow Jackets. And mm-hmm. he, you know, the 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 switchability between um, Kevin Gelly and Kamaji and the things that. You know the looks that those two centers can kind of give you. They'll never play together on the on the court at the same time, but at one point you got a seven foot four guy that nobody can guard, and at the other point you got a I don't know what he is six ten six eleven center that can step out and hit threes at any given moment. So Florida State, I agree, is a, is a real interesting team. We both agree, Florida State minus thirteen tonight. Um, <clears throat> obviously, this won't especially because go ahead. No, I was just gonna say especially because they've got two. To your point, there's just no rest. Yeah, yeah. There's no. Uh, it's just relentless, and they're they're deeper than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is young. Notre Dame can't shoot. Um, Prentice Hub is going is a is kind of you know a guy that I believed in early in the year is kind of a you know when he's good he's really good, but when he's bad he's an offense killer. He just makes bad decisions. Um, moving on to Tuesday night. Maybe, you know, in the preseason would have been one of the best games of the year, potentially. Uh, a young Duke team on the road at a older Virginia Tech team. Unfortunately, Absolutely. you know, Zion won't play this game. That was confirmed today. Justin Robinson obviously won't play in this game. Uh, you know, Haslam has it. Uh, Duke by 6, 78-72. What are you thinking here? <laughs> of course, he's projecting those numbers based on what Robinson and Zion were both able to do. Sure. Which kind of kind of sets the whole thing askew. <laughs> I raised the question just with all the all the noises followed Zion all week, and I I am glad the news has been positive. I hope it hope it stays positive because I know everybody wants to see him play, mm-hmm. and that's coming from a that's coming from a Carolina fan. 
But uh, <laughs> if, if I could run in real quick, uh, Ken Palm has Absolutely. this as a three-point game. Uh, Duke winning 76-73. Really? So it, uh, you know, Haslam, even though his metrics are maybe not taking everything into account, they're still pretty close to Ken Palm. That's interesting. I would have thought Haslam, Haslam tends to lean more on the recent results. So I would have thought VT playing without Robinson for a while might have weighed him down. Right. But you never know. Still definitely has the potential to be a close game. I have I have Duke covering the six points, but I I think Virginia Tech absolutely has the pieces to make this one a really fun game, even without Robinson. Mm. You've got Blackshear who's been just on fire since Robinson went out, really been carrying the team, and has kept them kept them kind of up at least in within reach of the top, within reach of that double buy still. You know they've been a month without their kind of their heart and soul and Robinson. Uh, yeah, NAW Alexander Walker's been been up and down, but as he continues to position himself for for his future in the league, he's got he's certainly got a great opportunity tomorrow night against <laughs> against plenty of NBA talent that's going right. to be on Duke's roster to really show what he can do. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of scouts in the building tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, you know I I, I like Blackshear. I, I have a piece on Blackshear that I'm working on now. He's been absolutely incredible. I don't know why it took an injury to Justin Robinson to get him to finally be the guy that we've kind of been expecting the last couple years. Alexander Walker has been bad since since Robinson went out. Uh, that swap to handling the ball has has not been great for him, even though would be some oh, He was great was, before. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he looked like a lottery pick early. Yeah, he in started the year. the year tremendously. And, uh, you know, Wabisa Beatty is a great defensive point guard, um, has his moments, but obviously on the offensive end, he's not Justin Robinson. Um, I think uh, Ty Outlaw is, you know, obviously one of the best shooters and maybe not only the ACC, but maybe the entire country. This game is at Castle, which is a tough place to play, especially since Buzz has been there. All that said, I, I like the Duke defense. Even without Zion, I like that you still have five five-star guys and a couple four-star guys. And Alex O'Connell looked great against Syracuse, though he has his whole career and never against anybody else. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Joey Baker comes out and, and is the shooter that we've all heard he was, but he only got five minutes the other night. I don't really understand burning the red shirt for five minutes. What are your thoughts on that situation? We haven't talked about that yet. I... You know, I I was listening to uh, I was listening to Parrish and Olander on the on the way in to work this morning. I, I I agree with them that Coach K doesn't burn that red shirt without consulting the kid and probably the kid's parents. Everybody being on the same page, everybody being okay with the situation, and I don't have a problem with that. My question is, if Zion only misses two games, which we know he's out for this upcoming game, mm-hmm. if you're only going to play the kid five minutes, why burn the red shirt? You know, isn't isn't that five minutes that Jordan Goldwire, or Alex O'Connell, or or anybody else could have could have absorbed? And no, so he could have put Jack White in for five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And just told him not to shoot a three. Yeah, yeah. What is he? Oh, for his last twenty-five, something like that. Something crazy. Um, I, he started I, well too. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, you know, early in the season, I actually commented on 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 the fact that he was playing well. That nobody talked. I mean, he was averaging. Close to a double double for the first 
dozen games of the season. I mean, he was one of the breakout yeah, guys. Pretty in the good conference. defense for him too. Kind yeah. of quietly down low. Yep. And you know, I, I if if they think the kid this this Baker kid is going to make them you know eight nine deep, which is really rare for Coach K. Um, then cool, by all means. You know, he's certainly a shooter, and that's been their their uh, their Achilles heel all season. But <clears throat> if he's only going to play five minutes, why do you burn that red shirt? Um, now, Duke is always going to be big on talent, and who knows if, if this kid is in their long-term plans. I mean, he's, Duke has no problems running people off, but I, I don't understand it. Maybe he comes out and plays 20 minutes and, and shoots six threes and makes three of them tomorrow night. Maybe maybe that's that's the plan. He, they're just kind of getting him in shape. That's that's certainly plausible. But if he comes no, I'm out sure that's and coming logs, one of these nights, whether or not he does anything else outside of that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe you know, five minutes, get his legs, get him, you know, get his nerves, you know, calm down. Maybe he comes out, and he plays twelve minutes tomorrow night. If that's the plan, so be it. But if he comes out and logs two minutes, you got to start to wonder what the thought process was behind burning that red shirt. I think yeah, that's where I'm at too. I just hope there's a there's a plan in place for the kid. Right. So I think we both agree Duke covers the six. Um, yeah, I would actually take Duke by double figures in this game, even though it's at Castle. Uh, Bolden has been bad defensively, but uh, Barrett Barrett's still the best player on the floor. Cameron is still the second best player on the floor. Trey Jones probably still the third best player on the floor with how NAW has been playing. Now that's not to say you know Alexander Walker could score thirty at any point, so you know I'm not taking that off the table. But I think Duke rolls in this game. I was about to say, I, I hate to make it this simple, but it, it may well come down to whether or not Virginia Tech knocks down shots. Yeah, yeah. Because they've, they've certainly, I mean, how many guys do they have around the perimeter shooting 40% even without Robinson between Outlaw, <laughs> NAW, even Blackshear will step out, knock one or two down. And, and uh, you know, as much as I enjoy Ahmed Hill's game, he has a propensity to disappear in big games. Yeah. Um, well, certainly got another chance. Yeah. What is this? But, what's uh, what's Miami Wake Force? Is that also Tuesday night? It must be. That's Tuesday night as well. Yeah. So uh, Miami number fifty-seven. Uh, is that you have these as Haslam? Yeah, well, these are Haslam's okay. numbers. Fifty-seven and Haslam against uh, going to Winston Salem, playing the number two hundred and sixteen team in Haslam metrics. Wake that's, Forest. It's just been sliding. That's that's gross. Um, the projection here is Miami by ten on the road, which is very interesting. What are you What are you thinking here for the Hurricanes? I uh, I like the Hurricanes by a lot more than ten. Wake has has competed well, kind of quietly with the Pittsburghs and the Notre Dames, and lost to Boston College at home, but mm. they're not they're not horrible too. But against everybody else, it's just it's been ugly. I was looking the 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 twenty points against State was that just last night? Yeah, was the was the closest. Closest they've been in six or seven losses in a row. Which is just brutal. I, let's see here. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, this is the first one we're going to disagree on. I think Wake covers the 10 at home. Um, Miami has not won a true road game all season long. Um, lost at Penn. Lost at Louisville, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Virginia, North Carolina, Boston College. So nothing really embarrassing. I think Penn and Steve Donahue is probably an underrated team, even though they've faltered the last few weeks. Um, but 
there is uh, the 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 splits between the Hurricanes at home and the Hurricanes on the road have been significant. They're not a deep team, even though they've they've kind of found you know another gear at home recently. Chris likes uh, Vasilovich, Anthony Lawrence. I think they've found uh, a nice role player in Sam Wardenberg, who's showing a lot of touch from the outside. And Abuka Zundu has been a lot better than I ever anticipated. All that said, they've not been good on the road. Um, Brandon Childress is a shot maker, especially at home. And Jalen Horde's starting to come around a little bit. Isaiah Musius is coming off one of the worst games he's had all season, so I think he may rebound a little bit. I think Miami Mike absolutely plays their best ball at home. Yeah, there's yeah. Really no argument there. Yeah, and I think I, you know, ultimately, I think Miami does win the first. I'll say this: Miami does win their first road game, their first true road game of the season. But I think Wake covers the ten. That's fair. Yeah. My, my, the only kind of argument I raise is that if Miami their their trip to Chapel Hill a couple weeks ago, if they're playing anybody other than Kobe White, making everything he throws at the basket, they're winning that oh, game by it ten. Was it the thirty-three point game, thirty-five point game, something like that? Yeah. 33, I think. That was that was a wild game to watch, too. That was. That was the what, first half, nobody could score. That's one of my favorite minutes, games to watch all season so far. <laughs> nobody could miss. Hey, it was just him and, uh, it was him and Likes just going back and forth. It was absolutely crazy. Um, Tuesday night, staying Tuesday night, 9 o'clock tip, which, you know, in North Carolina, there's no reason to have a 9 o'clock tip. Some of us are old. Some of us have to work in the morning. Uh, number 36, Syracuse, at number 5, North Carolina. Haslam has this as a 17-point spread. I think if I put Eric on the phone right now, he would say that is absolutely not what it should be. What do you... <laughs> I think he would absolutely take that back as well. I had to... Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead and tell me what you got here. Double, triple check that number. <laughs> Make sure I had the right team home on the road selected in the first place. Make sure I didn't click on Seton Hall or something. But but man, no, there's. What I mean, I'd you, love to. What did you see? You, you know, the, I'd love to watch North Carolina win this game by oh, twenty-seven points. But you don't expect no that. Though. There's no way. Do they? They don't do. You know, I think. You know, obviously, we've talked, but Kobe White has the the ability to get hot from deep. Kenny Williams has not shot the ball great overall in the season. Obviously, Cam Johnson's one of the best shooters in the country. Mm-hmm. Then Kenny's proven that ability in the past. Yes, but, yes. I, he led right, the ACC in three-point shooting his, for a while last year. Has not year. been his best efficiency-wise. Right. Does, I mean, in your in your estimation, does Carolina have the ability to shoot the ball well enough to 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 cover a seventeen-point spread? If if Carolina plays their best game, I think they can they can beat almost anybody on that floor by seventeen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat Duke by sixteen in Cameron. Granted, there were a lot of a lot of asterisks on that game, but. Here's the thing with that game. All right, yeah, we're gonna talk about it for a minute. I ain't talked about it on the show. I don't get. I, I don't care that Zion didn't play. All right, this uh, this is more of an indictment on Coach K and his staff than anything. I'm gonna take a step back and let you have this. One. <laughs> if if you can't win, or if you can't be competitive with five five star guys and two four star guys, that's an indictment on your coach and your coaching staff. I uh, you know if. It, Look, Cam Reddish, top five, six pick at this point. Trey Jones, first round pick probably, even though it's it's rumored that he's coming back. RJ Barrett could still potentially be the number one pick in the draft. If you can't RJ Barrett is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean it's he just scored his what, his fourteenth thirty point game of the season the other day. I mean mm-hmm. 
No big deal. If you can't, if you can't win with those, it's not like Carolina's full of fucking, you know, five star blue chip guys. You know, Cam Johnson's a fifth year senior. Uh, Kenny Williams is a fourth year senior. Luke May's a former fucking walk on. You know, they don't have Sterling Manley. They don't have and the, Leaky and the Black. five stars we do have didn't have their best game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nasir, Nasir did have 10, 12 minutes at the point. For absolutely, absolutely. Seventh Woods is playing. I, you know, I knew his star rating coming out of high school. He hasn't lived up to that at all, ever. So I, I don't feel bad for Duke losing Zion. To me, that's a that's it's not a non-issue. Now losing him in game thirty seconds, you got to adjust on the fly. I understand that. Does that mean you lose by sixteen? No, because it's not like you were down by ten when you lost Zion. You know, it was still thirty seconds into the game. So that said. This Syracuse zone is going to limit limit possessions. It's going to limit uh, UNC's ability to get clean looks. It's going to limit Luke May's ability to, to play on the block. I like Syracuse plus 17. Absolutely. All right. I've got Carolina winning, but not by that much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. i got Carolina winning. But I think it's, a, it's one of those games where maybe Luke May goes – Six for nineteen. It's, I think it's going to be one of those games. You know, he he gets his double double uh, with twelve and eleven. I was going to point whatever. out. I think I I think I wrote about this, but I almost forgot to mention just the the length and athletic ability Syracuse has in that zone is absolutely something that Carolina struggles with at times. And this can def this <laughs> this has the potential to be an ugly, ugly game. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Luke May struggles the most when he goes up against athletic bigs. And while uh, Dolage, I wouldn't really say he's an athletic big, Chuck Wu at 7'2", or whatever he is, is just, he's not really athletic, but he's a shot-blocking machine, and he is, what, six inches taller than Luke May? So uh, they're going to have a problem there. Um, oh, he's a big dude. And even Dolage, I mean, Jay Billis couldn't shut up about him weighing a, a buck 80, but he was he was holding <laughs> his own down there with yeah. with Bolden. And he, was. he was. He was. He was banging him around a little bit. Yes, Charlie is correct on both counts. If you weren't listening to the game the other day, they were talking about how skinny Merrick Dolajai was, and Jay Bills <laughs> was all over his rod for at least a good 10 minutes. Um, moving into Wednesday night, the <laughs> uh, would be the antithesis game of the week with number 131 in Haslam, GTAC, going to Charlottesville. To play number two, Virginia, 7 p.m. tip. Haslam has this as a 25-point spread. Virginia has owned Georgia Tech historically since Tony Bennett's been there. Um, I am actually not 100% sure, but Georgia Tech may have... I'm not sure Georgia Tech's ever beaten Tony Bennett since he's been in the ACC. I'd, I'd, have, to right? I'd have to check that, but I, do, I can't remember... Going back to uh, who's the left-handed kid that was drafted by the Spurs, Justin Anderson. Going back to oh, that right, team, right. Um, the kid that plays for um, the guy that just won the three-point competition, um, white kid. Oh, uh, Joe. Yep, you're on the right track. Harris. Joe Harris. Yep. I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure G Tech hasn't won Didn't since those guys have been there. But uh, 25 points is a lot. These teams both play. Tremendous defense. I have not been impressed with Virginia their last few games. What are you? Uh, what are you thinking for Virginia G Tech? I haven't either, and I don't think it. It absolutely doesn't take away from what 
what Virginia's ceiling is or how it looks or how I look at them as a team. But they have they haven't won a game by more than ten points in over a month, and they've they've played some teams they should have beaten by more than ten points. Right. So it's been it's been kind of interesting to watch, and a few of those games were when Jerome was in and out of the lineup, and mm-hmm. that was that was kind of understandable. Although that was the game they won by ten against Miami. Right. Granted, they only scored what fifty six points or something. Fifty six. They uh, at home in Charlottesville. They won uh, 56-46. They lost to Duke. They beat Carolina by eight. They beat Notre Dame by six at home. That's that's a red flag for me. Um, Virginia Tech by six on the road at Castle. Still no Justin Robinson, and I'm pretty sure NAW didn't have a very good game. They did beat a rivalry nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did beat Louisville by 12 on the road, so there is that. But they also trailed by 10 at the half, and Louisville went completely in the toilet in the second half and just shot an endless amount of threes, which, if you guys follow my Twitter account, you know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> it totally fell apart. You know, Ken Palm, has, Ken Palm even has this game with G-Tech at 22. I, I You know, maybe. It, you know, maybe. But that G-Tech perimeter defense has been good. Um, I, I'm going to take G-Tech covering the 25. Yeah, if only because I just don't necessarily see this being a high enough scoring game to get to 25. Yeah, it, it might be 21. <laughs> you know, I, I you know I just I, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be closer to 20 yeah. than it is to to 30. So we'll just yeah. I'll say that. Um, let's see. Moving on, you have. I'm assuming this is also a Wednesday night game. Number 34, yeah. Clemson at number 98, Pittsburgh. Haslam has this 67-62 in favor of Clemson. This is a, I think this is a tricky spot for the Tigers going to Pittsburgh where early in the season they beat Florida State, they beat Louisville. Absolutely. They, they just had uh, a dreadful performance against G-Tech at McCamish where they went 20 for 38 from the line that, that absolutely cost them the game. All these freshmen have clearly hit the wall. Clemson plays pretty good defense, but they are unpredictable on offense. I think Elijah Thomas is the difference in this game, but I think that maybe Pittsburgh can cover that five. What are you thinking here? I I definitely think they're within reach of covering that five. I I didn't realize this until I was looking back over today as I was working through working through some of these picks. It's Pittsburgh's I don't know how many they lost in a row. I think it's nine, ten, nine, I believe. And so, but as ugly as that's been, I don't think they've lost. It's, they've been losing, 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 but they've it's been actually close. 10. It's ten, and really, kind of regardless of who's that, who they've been playing, it was pretty interesting. I I don't remember off the top of my head to pull some of those pull yeah, some they, of those opponents out, but they've been they played they've Syracuse pretty been well hanging around in New York. Games. Syracuse, I remember watching that one. Yep. But um. What's what makes this even trickier for Clemson is just where they're where they're sitting on the bubble right now. This is this is one they absolutely have to have, can't afford to let slide. And as as close as Pittsburgh's been, and as dangerous they've shown they can be at home. This is this is one I think Haslam. Uh, this is his his numbers, not necessarily him sitting there punching every single one, but I think he. He could be he could be feeling really good about this pick. 
yeah. Thursday morning. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, so certainly one they could cover five. I could see Pittsburgh pulling this one off. I, I don't I don't know if Pittsburgh pulls yeah. it off. I don't think they will. But yeah. But it it feels like a really I I picked Clemson this one, but it feels like a really dangerous game. You know, I think you know, I think Elijah Thomas is going to dominate the front court and that's why I think Clemson's going ultimately going to win. You know, I think Xavier Johnson has the length to give Marquise Reed some some problems, though Reed has been, you know, maybe not great from the field, but he's been the only guy other than Thomas that's really given them anything. Shelton Mitchell has been terrible this year. Um, Clemson closes out at Pittsburgh, home against Carolina, at Notre Dame, and home against Syracuse. So, you know, if they end up going one and three down the stretch, they're toast. They they need need to have two of those, or they're gonna yeah they're gonna really need something in the in the tournament in the tourney. Absolutely. Um, I like Clemson to win this game going away. But I think Pittsburgh could make it interesting at home. I really hope I can get to watch it. Hopefully that annoying chick is not sitting right behind the <laughs> scorer's table again because then I'll just have to mute it or watch another game. So we both like – actually, I like Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh plus five, but I like Clemson to win the game. Charlie likes Clemson to yeah. cover the five. I do. I think for all that being said, I do. For me, it does come down to the veterans Clemson has on that mm-hmm. team. They've been, they've been inconsistent at times, but – they're they're at the point of the year where it's time to time to put up or shut up, and I think those seniors get it done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, for the most part, I think I think the other wild card in this game is we are. Let's see here, real quick. I want to check something. Pittsburgh. This okay. This isn't. They they close out the season senior night on March 9th, but this is one of those times where Jared Wilson Frame has only a couple chances left to shine in front of that home crowd. And while Clemson is pretty solid defensively, I think in one of th- these two home games, whether it be Notre Dame or Clemson, you're going to see him hit five or six threes. And I think it could be against Clemson, who is a team that Pittsburgh may possibly be able to ruin their season. And I think uh, Jeff Capel is going to have them guys ready to play. So again, I'll take I'll take Clem- I'll take Pittsburgh plus five. Um, number seventeen, Louisville, Ugh. Uh, going <laughs> on the road. To number 85, Boston College, 9 p.m. tip. This is also a Wednesday game? Yes, sir. Um, it is, yep, last Wednesday night game. Haslametrics has this uh, 74-67 in favor of Louisville. I led the charge. We led the charge on Louisville in early January, late December, as far as, you know, take a look at this team. These guys are way better and way deeper and way more well-coached than we ever thought they were going to be. That said, Boston College has pulled some stunners in Chestnut Hill in the recent years. Louisville looks like their confidence is completely shot. They blew it against Virginia. They, in historical fashion, blew it against Duke. And they look like shit against Clemson a couple weeks ago. I I think I like Louisville away to win. But I like Boston College to cover the seven here. What do you got? I I went ahead with Boston College to sneak this one out, <laughs> and while we, as well as or as as much as Louisville struggled, we shouldn't forget that the first time these two teams played, how well Wara played in particular. He put mm-hmm. up thirteen, ten, and four. Fourteen of eighteen shooting was just <laughs> Boston College didn't have an answer for him, and I think I think if Louisville runs away with this one, he's. Absolutely, the reason why all over again. 
Did Stefan Mitchell play in that game? What's that? Did Stefan Mitchell play in that game? That's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm uh, I'm gonna look real quick. Stefan Mitchell did play, Stephon Mitchell did play 24 minutes in that game, so I can't use that as an excuse. So okay. carry on. Well, certainly here we are though, a month, month and a half later. And what what what's interesting to me about this matchup is win or lose, Boston College has kind of carved out a quiet identity, making late runs, whether or not they're able to overcome mm-hmm. the hole they've put themselves in, and plenty of times they have. Florida State obviously remembers. Uh, Wake Forest remembers, but they've and didn't they just, they've they come just up came short back plenty against... of times that they were able to cut it down to just a couple of possessions too. And with with that being the one thing Louisville, whatever lead they're able to build in this one, that being the one thing they're going to be tense worrying about, just the way they finish games lately. I could I could absolutely see Kai Bowman making something something magic happen here. You know, that's really interesting because I believe that North Carolina State also was up big on Boston College. I believe Boston College made a pretty good run in that game, and they were up. I want to say BC was up like 67 to 70, and Carolina State came back, and you know they ended up winning the game ultimately in overtime, 89-90. But that's an excellent point you make. That's right. That is the most recent one. Yeah, because uh, State was way up. Yeah, State, State was, was up way up early. With yes, ten minutes to go. And you know, Louisville is excellent. Is Louisville has a propensity lately to overshoot threes in the second half when they've been they were ten for sixteen against Virginia from behind the arc and went ice cold and looked like they had no idea what to do. Um, you know, I, I said on Twitter that they got to pound the ball to Stephen Enoch. And as soon as I said that, I think they dumped the ball inside of him. He went over his right shoulder instead of his left shoulder, and Diakite blocked it to himself, and, and Virginia's running the other way. So I look like a damn <laughs> fool there. But, um, you know, Louisville has the ability that they've shown to collapse in the second half. Boston College has the ability when Bowman gets hot to, to make comebacks and make runs in the second half, depending on how Jordan Chapman is shooting, depending on how Nick Popovich is playing, which... Is there a more underrated player in the ACC than Nick Popovich? Do you think? I don't think so. I he's really I good. The other day, he he's has really a, good. He has a higher usage rate than Bowman this year. <laughs> Blew my mind. That's a great, great pull right there. If you're not paying attention, you should be now. Nick Popovich <laughs> has a higher usage rate than Kai Bowman. I didn't know that. Charlie just threw that right in my face. That was not Unreal. scripted at all. That is a crazy statistic. Um, I. And you, you did Maybe t- that's you t- an ACC. Let me, let me le- still, it. even though if it's in league player, if it's season long, <laughs> uh, it's still impressive for me. So Charlie likes. Look at this conference only. Popovich twenty six three, Bowman twenty six two. That's that's incredible. That's that blows my mind. Um, so I like Louisville to win, but I like Boston College to cover the seven. Charlie's going to take the straight up upset. Boston College Eagles at home over Louisville, continuing the misery that is late season falling apart for Cardinals fans. Um, one thing that I I didn't bring up to you before we started recording, that's just me. Right now, Ken Palm has the Atlantic Coast Conference all-Ken Palm team as Zion, Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kerry Blackshear. Do you have a problem with any of those five for being the all-ACC first team? Uh, 
certainly those top three, absolutely no question. Blackshear has certainly earned that right as well. Jerome is worthy, and it's really kind of that fourth spot where you can bring up a lot of names. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I would gonna, personally put my Kobe mind's going to jump straight to Cam Johnson or Kobe White. Yeah, and certainly both at least to this point, put up numbers worthy of consideration, whether that's first team, second team, they should be on there somewhere. Do you, um, if you, if you were doing your own right now, would anybody from Virginia be on that team? If I think I've got Hunter on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, I, you know, it's difficult to, I think it's difficult to extrapolate you know, numbers from Virginia because of the way they play. Certainly, you know, if you put DeAndre Hunter in an NC State jersey, for instance, or even a North Carolina jersey or Duke jersey, the kid's probably going to average 20 a game. Um, oh, who's the, who's, the, who's the kid at Iowa State this year? Uh, Mariel Shayok. Yeah. Shayok. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a great pull, too. Unbelievable year. And I believe, I'm not sure if it's still current, but I believe he is leading the Big 12 in scoring this year. And this was the kid that averaged nine points in his best season at Virginia, I believe. So, yeah, that's... that's, And Palm's got him number three on his Big 12 team. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. That really is an excellent point. Um, And, you know, the thing for Virginia is those three guys, you know, Hunter, Guy, and Jerome are so good, but... They're, the possessions are so few that you rarely get all three as being great on any on the same night. So it's difficult for me to put really any of them on the first team, though you know, if you're just looking at numbers, I guess it is my point. And I, I think I would go with Hunter as well. I would I would for me it's a no brainer. I think Kobe White is is goes on that first team instead of Jerome. Um and, you know, Cam Jackson is is one of my favorite guys in the league, but I would still, even ahead of him, I would probably go Wara. I think without Wara this year, as good as uh, Dwayne Sutton's been, as good as Kristen Cunningham has been at times, without Jordan Wara, um, Louisville, I think, would be probably closer to what I expect them to be in the preseason instead of where they are right now. Absolutely. Sutton's been an unappreciated guy this year, too. Absolutely. Not to get off topic. No, no, you're. I think you're absolutely right, and, and we should explore Not that first at some team, point. first team, second team, but certainly... Honorable mention. I mean, he's certainly so valuable to what they were able to do, and certainly what they're still capable of doing down the stretch. They're going to be a tournament team, and at that point, it's it's anybody's bet. Who's your uh, who do you got for coach of the year? Coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that picture's shifting slightly because if you mm-hmm. asked me a month ago, there really wasn't a whole lot of thought. I've got to go back and. You know, my preseason. I'll give you mine real quick while while you're talking. Preseason, I had Buzz Williams. Um, I think early on, I had Buzz Williams. You know, Virginia Tech was rolling teams in the ACC, and and you know, with the exception of the top three, that top tier teams, they were they were getting their their tails kicked. I think right now, it's I think it's it's got to be Chris Mack. Though, if Leonard Hamilton keeps going the way he's going. It can certainly be that, um, and honestly, it, it could be Old Roy at, at you know in Tar Heel Nation. That's the really name I was going to float. I was going to have to I was going to preface it with my bias because obviously I am. But no, go ahead, roll if, it out. Certainly, if they can finish this out with a with an ACC title, mm-hmm. 
there's that's a big if and there's a lot left to happen but you know that goes that goes with kind of what I've the LeBron rule is what I call it you could give it to coach K Roy Williams Tony Bennett every year um to my Damn. knowledge coach K hasn't won a, a coach of the year in the ACC award since it's been some crazy number. I want to say it was like ninety nine or two thousand. It's been it's something hey, it's something stupid. I think Roy's only won one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh Pastner has won more Coach of the Year awards in the ACC in the last ten years than Coach K has, and that's that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's it, you know, it's I call it the LeBron rule because in reality there is no debate in the NBA who the most valuable player in the league is. It's LeBron James every single year. Um, recruiting is obviously. A, uh, a factor in how well you coach as far as college coaching goes. Coach K is the best recruiter in the ACC, bar none, despite my hatred for Duke. he is, It is what he is, and you could give it to him every year, and I don't know if anybody could come up with a, with a quality argument against it. Um, Charlie, I thank you for joining me tonight, brother. Um, if you guys don't know, Charlie is... One of my contributors to ACCBR provides a lot of content for the site, so I don't have to. I can concentrate on the podcast. I wanted to get him on here tonight and give his primer that he works very hard on, very diligently on each week, a little bit of attention. You guys should check it out. It typically comes out every, I think we're pretty consistent on Monday night now, aren't we? I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's pretty much where we're yeah, at. Yeah, Mondays, and I try to have one up Friday night, Saturday morning. For there the you go. Um, I'll leave it open to you, Charlie. Anything else you want to touch on before we take off? I just want to thank you again for for having me on. Great job. <laughs> Love listening to the podcast. So great to. Hey man, hey. When uh, you know you're going to be on again uh, after Selection Sunday, we're going to do another show. I'm going to get both you and Kinchin on here, and we're going to roll oh, down yeah, through. I can't wait for that. So that should be kind of a shit show. Have a few shots before we jump on, loosen up a little bit, and so uh, be a good time. There'll be a lot to talk about. Yeah, for sure. We'll uh, we'll break down some matchups. Thanks for joining me, brother. I'll talk to you Absolutely. on the. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a good night. You too.